What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to the Matt Lombardo Show presented by Heavy Sports. Of course, I am Heavy Sports Senior NFL Insider Matt Lombardo. Big show on tap, an NFL free agency extravaganza, the Aaron Rodgers special. A decision has been made and a whole lot more. We're going to chat with Chicago Bears rookie safety coming off a dynamic first NFL season. Jaquan Brisker will join the program a little bit later on. We'll touch on some of the biggest free agency winners so far in the offseason, some teams that have made the biggest moves, some teams that have made some moves that make you scratch your head just a little bit, and a whole lot more. But again, as always, a little bit of housekeeping for you. If you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, SoundCloud. And as always, Check us out on heavy.com slash videos. That's your new home for the Matt Lombardo show. All of the analysis, all of the guest interviews, the highlights, everything. Heavy.com slash videos. That's where you want to go to check out the Matt Lombardo show on the web for all the videos, the analysis, the guests, all of it. And of course, if you enjoy my columns, please go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. But the biggest story across the NFL this week during the week of legal tampering when free agency officially gets underway is Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers emerged from the darkness. He put the peyote down. And as the white smoke over the Pat McAfee podcast studio emerged, Aaron Rodgers finally, finally made a decision. He chose to play for the New York Jets. And all I will say is this, is Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of his generation. And I think that there is some truth to the fact that he made this decision based on the fact that he does not want to go into the Hall of Fame in the same Hall of Fame class in the same year as Tom Brady. And I think that there's something to be said for that angle to this storyline. But a word of caution to the Jets, the New York Jets better be careful because they've acted ever since this offseason began like Aaron Rodgers was target number one. They went out and they hired Nathaniel Hackett as offensive coordinator. And guess what? They got their guy. As long as they can work out a trade of some sort with the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers will be a New York Jet in a very similar fashion to how Brett Favre wound up being a New York Jet after his tenure with the Green Bay Packers. But they've gone out. And they signed Alan Lazard, who is obviously a top priority for Aaron Rodgers. And you heard the report from ESPN's Diana Rossini that Aaron Rodgers had a free agency wish list that included Lazard, Randall Cobb, a couple of former Packers players as well. And Lazard's a really good player with some upside in the slot. But if you're the Jets and you're trading multiple draft picks to the Packers, what you're now doing is you're now betting that Aaron Rodgers with Cedric Wilson with Brees Hall, with Alan Lazard, and with a really good defense is enough to overcome Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, Justin Herbert and the Los Angeles Chargers, and just within your own division, that you are now more equipped to go to the postseason, to win the division, go further than that and play for a Super Bowl in the AFC, than Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, and a team in Miami that's officially all in by this week trading for Jalen Ramsey at corner, one year after trading for Tyreek Hill, with a dynamic quarterback of their own in Tua Tungavaloa. But is it a wise bet? Is it a smart bet for Joe Douglas, the general manager in the New York Jets? Is it the right move? Time will tell. And obviously, make no mistake about it, the Jets are a better football team today. They have more upside today than they did yesterday, than they did at the beginning of 2022 
than they did when they drafted Zach Wilson number two overall. They're a better team. But does Aaron Rodgers put them above the top? Does he put them over the top even in the AFC East? I don't think that the Jets are any better than the Buffalo Bills. I don't think that the New York Jets, they might not be better than the Miami Dolphins. Now, those games are going to be better. They beat the Bills once last year, for sure. But I don't know that they're any better positioned than being the second or third best team within their own division. Because here's the thing about Aaron Rodgers. He's coming off the worst statistical season of his career. He's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. Let's make no mistake about that. He will be a Hall of Famer. And there's a good chance he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer five years after he retires. But this isn't Aaron Rodgers in his prime that you're getting in Florham Park and East Rutherford. He's coming off the worst statistical season of his career. And Rodgers has only won one Super Bowl. Worse yet, he's 12-10 and 10 in the postseason in his career, despite being in a division that was the Packers for the taking for a decade, despite the fact that he played for one of the more stable organizations in all of professional sports. And now Rodgers goes from the frozen tundra and title town and being the face of that franchise. No, absolutely, there was some strife there. Absolutely, you saw the issues come to the forefront with him and head coach Matt LaFleur very publicly on the field a couple of times. We all know that he wasn't exactly the greatest teammate. We all know that Aaron Rodgers is a guy that his teammates respected but didn't necessarily like. But now you're going to throw Aaron Rodgers into the New York market. Now you're going to throw Aaron Rodgers into the division with two of the best quarterbacks in the game, certainly with Josh Allen, Tua knocking on the doorstep there, top 10 quarterback in the league, in a conference that's significantly more difficult to win than the NFC. So I look at this situation, and I think the Jets fans should rightfully be excited. But I think at the same time, as you're buying your number 12 jerseys, temper the expectations just a little bit. Because I don't know that Aaron Rodgers makes the Jets the Super Bowl contender that people make him out to be. But looking back in the NFC, in the division in the NFC North that Aaron Rodgers leaves behind after leaving the Green Bay Packers, one team that could really benefit is the Chicago Bears. This is a conversation I've been really looking forward to. Chicago Bears safety, for my money, played his way into the defensive rookie of the year conversation. He's Jaquan Brisker. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jaquan Brisker. Jaquan, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Appreciate you taking some time with us. And you obviously arrived last season, didn't skip a beat. You led Chicago in sacks. You produced 135 total tackles. Were really good in coverage. What clicked for you right out of the shoot in the NFL? I would say just, um, you know, just staying the course, um, you know, trusting in my coaches, trusting in my teammates, and also trusting in my ability, you know, having the confidence, you know, that I worked hard, you know, in the off season and transferred it to in-season and to in-season play and then really just um, showing what I could do. Um, you know, proving you know people wrong, but um, still, you know, showing that I got a chip on my shoulder and you know things like that. And obviously, the Bears made some big moves just in the last couple of days, in the last couple of weeks, including trading for DJ Moore as part of that package, moving back from the number one overall pick. What was your reaction when that trade went down? 
Um, I thought it was a great trade, you know, especially for, you know, Justin. Um, you know, he gets another offensive weapon and um it makes us more dangerous, um, uh, you know, than last year. And um last year we were, you know, that close, you know, maybe three, seven points away, you know, during certain games. But um, you know, adding another weapon right there just um, you know, show that, you know, they're invested in, you know, Justin Fields and that, you know, we needed another weapon that we're moving in the right direction. And obviously it sounds like Ryan Poles, the GM, is all in on Justin Fields, all in on building around him. How much better does DJ Moore make Justin Fields? How much more does DJ Moore help your offense? I would say um, it makes, you know, J Justin Fields better just because, you know, he has another, you know, great target, you know, um, a target who could do, you know, who, who could also run out the backfield and also play in the slide outside. And then um, it makes DJ Moore better because, you know, he has a good quarterback who could throw. Um, short passes, you know, the mid, middle, medium passes, the long passes, the deep throws. So I feel like, you know, it's a perfect relationship for them. And um, it's a perfect relationship for us because him teaming with, you know, Claypool and Mooney and, you know, Cole and those guys, you know, is very dangerous. Yeah, a lot of weapons are on that offense. And you yeah. drop a guy like DJ Moore with Cole Komet at tight end, with Chase Claypool, who you guys traded for last year. And, of course, uh, Darnell Mooney coming back and healthy. He looked like he was going to be a playmaker for you guys before he got hurt last year. Don't know who did. Mm-hmm. Yep. Made a lot of, you know, game-changing plays and a lot of splash plays. Um, and it's going to be, you know, very difficult with them to a receiver, you know, teaming up. Yeah, and you practiced against Justin Fields every day last year. You, you see him on film. Obviously, you guys are teammates. What do you think of his development entering this year? And obviously getting weapons is going to help. But it, it seems like just watching from afar down the stretch last season – it seems like he turned a corner, not just as yeah. a runner, but made some really big throws, really deep touchdown passes in a couple of yeah. those games. What did you see from Justin last year? Um, in practice, he probably is the last person to, you know, step off the field, and he's make sure that the receivers are out there um, with him, you know, running routes, getting the timing right, make sure he's getting the throws right. And, um, you know, I really just see him just grow, um, really just take every, you know, single day seriously, um, you know, be a great leader, and then also um, really just, you know, he knows that, you know, this is his city, you know, that Chicago is his team. So I see him, you know, put a lot of, you know, dedication and hard work, you know, towards it. And um and translated to the field. Um, you know, in the beginning, uh, you know, it was it was moving slow because, you know, it was a new office and I feel like the office, you know, office coordinator also want like he was trying to get the feel for things too. And then, you know, once they put it in Justin's hands, you know, you could tell it was just a whole different offense. Um, he was doing, you know, totally different things and then you know, obviously, you know, um you know, he, he put a lot of, you know, plays, you know, he did that himself, you know, just by running and um, making great plays also. And there's two sides of the ball, right? And especially in a city like Chicago, the monsters of the midway, great tradition yeah. of defense there. You're a building block piece of that in the secondary. But right out of the shoot during the legal tampering period, you guys mm -hmm. go out, you signed TJ Edwards, you signed yeah. Tremaine Edmonds, two really dynamic, dominant off-the-ball linebackers you know, when you look at those guys, when those moves were being made, what was your reaction? How excited are you to play with those guys on your defense now? I thought that those were amazing moves. Um, they were great moves to help our team, you know, move forward and go where we want to go. So um, I thought that was a huge step, you know, where we wanted to go. And, you know, it just shows that, um, you know, that, you know, they care and that they want to win now. And um, I thought that was very important. You know, th those are, you know, two great players. And um, I feel like, you know, adding them to, to this defense is going to be scary. You know, the, the players that we have, 
and them two coming in, I feel like it's going to be even more dangerous because they fly to the ball. They fit Coach Lewis's defense, and, um, you know, they love football, so that's big. How much does it help you on the back end when you have two guys that are 100-plus tackle linebackers, seem to always be around the football, and in the case of Edmonds, really gets after the quarterback? How much does that help you as a safety with those guys getting after it up front? Because, again, you, you led the team in sacks, but you had four sacks, and now you yeah. add a pass rusher in there. That, that's got to make your life a little bit easier, I would think. Yeah, definitely does, just because um, I know – that we got a lot of speed, you know, between them two and a lot of knowledge. And, you know, um, they're both good in, in the run and the pass. So, um, you know, that makes my life, my job a little, little much easier, you know, because I don't have to, you know, um, be everywhere at once. And, um, you know, those guys love being around the football too. So we're going to be racing to the ball. But uh, definitely makes it easier because I just, could just sit in the back end and do my job. And then um, we could, you know, add a lot of different things like during a blitz, um, you know, when, when I blitz or when we all blitz, you know, we could do a lot of different stunts and things like that and mix it up. And, you know, speaking of hanging out on the back end, you, you know, you guys in that division faced some pretty dominant receivers the last couple of years. Alan Lazard was there, obviously. Um, Christian Watson, uh, Christian Watkins, rather, the rookie in Green Bay. Who was the toughest receiver that you went up against as a rookie? You know, who who was the guy that going into that matchup you had it circled? Like, I got to have an A game against him this week. Hmm. Receiver. I thought it, to be honest, I thought my first game against Debo Samuel, I thought yeah. I – I thought I um, really had to lock in just because I know that, you know, he was good running and, um, I mean, with the ball in his hands. So, like, getting carries and then he was good, you know, with the yak. So, I knew that, um, you know, we had I had to be balanced, you know, going against him. Like, I knew I had to bring bring it every time. So, I will probably say him because I feel like, you know, um, we played them once and, and that was, like, really my first game. So I feel like that was like the only receiver, which I was like, I really got to you know, pay attention to because he really affects the game. Oh, no doubt about it. And obviously you're a Penn State guy, had a prolific career there that propelled you into the NFL. Uh, you look at them this year, you look at the draft class, Joey Porter Jr., a guy who you shared a secondary room with for a year and obviously yeah. watched from afar. How good can he be, you know, just from you being teammates with him and what you saw from him this year, how good can Joey Porter Jr. be at the next level? I feel like he could be great. Um, you know, he's 6'3", 6'4", and he could run. And um, he's going to be physical at the line, but he could also play zone. And um, he'll tackle if he wants. But, you know, just things like that, um, that makes him, you know, very different and unique. And, you know, once, you know, a coach, you know, gets him and, you know, does what, you know, the defense does and what they want to do with him, um, I feel like it'll be very dangerous, you know, because um, obviously his dad playing the league and he was a great player. And then, you know, he has a son, you know, and Joey and – um. I'm sorry. Um, and he still has, you know, a lot in him. So I feel like um, there's so much room for him and the ceiling is high. And what is it about James Franklin and that program up at Penn State? Because it seems like they continuously churn out not only NFL talent, but elite NFL talent. Saquon Barkley goes number two overall. Micah Parsons, defensive rookie of the year. Guys like you, guys like Jahan Dotson. What is it about James Franklin and Penn State that continues to deliver guys into the NFL that play at a high level right away? Um, recruiting, you know, development. Um, and we could, you know, keep going. Um, you know, him developing, developing their players and, you know, bringing in, you know, football players, you know, is very big. And um, really just, you know, make sure that, 
you know, more coachable and, and things like that and, and make sure that they stay on top of, you know, every single thing. So I feel like, you know, Coach Franklin setting the standard there, you know, um, makes it easier for us guys that just want to come in there and, and, you know, go to school and play football. And, you know, um, you can play for a guy like that. How good can they be next year, speaking of Penn State? I mean, you look at Drew Aller coming in. You know, they have those two dynamic running backs, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen, some good receivers. Mm -hmm. Defense is loaded. How good can they be next year? And what have you seen from some of the young guys that are going to be stepping up with Joey Porter Jr. going and J.R. Brown heading to the draft, too? Yep. Um, with the young guys, um, and I was really just working out with them just recently last week. Um so I seen that they, you know, they won't come out here and work. You know, they weren't out here, you know, doing, you know, anything, just partying or anything like that. Um, they came out here, you know, they called me, was like, let's go to the field, let's live. And um, you know, they they get a lot of work and you know, they just wanna learn and um continue to be the best. And um, you know, with that whole, you know, Penn State team, I think they're very balanced. You know, um they got an offensive line coming back, they got a whole defense lineman come back and then um you know, they're, they're talented everywhere, especially in the secondary, but at linebackers, they're talented. They get everybody – their whole team's coming back except for the quarterback and, you know, their safety in the corner and a couple of linemen. But I feel like um they played a lot of players last year, so – and they got a lot of dogs over there. So I feel like the ceiling is high for them. I mean, that national championship, Big Ten, you know, this year for them. And, I, and that's the expectation. You know, I feel like um, Coach Franklin got the team that – he finally like won it. I feel like this is the team right here. You know, he got the running, he got two running backs. He has the quarterback, the receivers, the tight ends, the linemen. The linemen is huge. So um, I feel like it's going to be different this year. Oh, no doubt about it. I agree with you there. And obviously, coming out of that program, you were pretty NFL ready right out of the shoot. But was there anything about the NFL? Everybody talks about the speed of the NFL game being something you have to adjust to, or certainly playing at safety in a defense as complicated as what you guys are, where you're kind of one of the quarterbacks of the defense. Was there anything that surprised you about making that leap to the NFL as a rookie? Um, what surprised me was um, that, you know, officers get in huddles, you know, a lot. Um, that was different than that. They, oh, right. They, there is no huddle in college. Nobody huddles that, anymore. <laughs> and then uh, that they run a lot of um, 12 personnel, 22 personnel, 13, with a lot of tight ends and fullbacks. So that was, um, you know, uh, obviously different um other than that i really wouldn't say anything surprised me i mean that was about it and no doubt and, and you know the last one for me when you think about the bears and the organization all the moves that they're making you entering your second year what has to happen for you guys to take that next step because you look around the division heck by the time this runs aaron Rodgers might be a jet who knows what's happening with the Detroit Lions? It seems like you guys are right there on the cusp to break through. How do you take that next step? How do you break through and make it into the postseason and maybe more than that? Continue to build our chemistry um, with the offense and the defense. You know, um, the offense obviously is going to have a lot of new weapons this year. And um, the defense, you know, we're going to obviously have a lot of new weapons again this year. Um, you know, obviously bringing in those linebackers and, you know, the, the D-line will, will be bringing in and, you know, people like that. You know, I feel like, you know, we just got to build our chemistry and we all got to, you know, believe in, in one thing. And I still, you know, made 10 playoffs and win a Super Bowl. So, um, you know, I feel like once we, you know, we do everything within, you know, Coach Flusa's standard and, you know, what he wants and his principles, I feel like everything is going to fall into place how we want it. You know, the team that we had, 
you know, last year we were, we were, you know, so close to, you know, winning games and we were, you know, right there. And I was just, you know, we, we barely even played on the field at the same time the whole year. If you look at it, you know, we were, you know, all hurt at, you know, different times and we, we really cleaned the click last year. So I feel like this year is going to be different because, um, We'll be on the field at the same time, and you know we'll have that chemistry. And off 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 season, um, we'll be meeting up with each other. You know, trying to you know learn more about each other and things like that. So I feel like we'll have a full off season where it's just us getting better, and you know, um, we know what we want to you know accomplish and achieve. So I feel like it'll be different this year. And with the, the number nine overall pick in the draft, you might be getting another blue trip player on defense too to keep building around Jaquan. Anything exciting going on this offseason? Anything off the field you want to promote or give you the opportunity here to touch on whatever you have going on that you want the people to know about? Yeah, so this offseason, um, I will be going home to Pittsburgh to, you know, hand out, you know, different toys and, and gifts and, ha- and having like football camps, you know, for the youth and for the high schoolers, you know, just – you know, really just um giving back, you know, to the youth because I know when I was little that um I would have liked someone to do that, you know, for me. But you know, I always, you know, loved and you know cared about things like that, you know, for the people in need and you know just helping, you know, people. So um I'm gonna set up a you know a foundation and um you know help you know people in need and you know just help different just have different opportunities like that. That's awesome, and of course, find out more on Twitter. Is there a website that you have going, or how can people find out more? Yeah, we'll find out more, you know, later because I, you know, literally just yesterday just started it. So, um, I'm gonna get, yeah, I'm going to get the name and, you know, um, and everything like that. So it, it'll be on Twitter and all over social media. But, yeah, that's that's what um, I will be doing this year and every year from here on out. Jaquan, this has been great. Really enjoyed the conversation. Really enjoyed the insight. You can follow Jaquan Brisker on Twitter at Jaquan Brisker. Jaquan, best of luck this offseason, next season beyond the rest of your career. Appreciate you taking a few minutes. Look forward to talking to you further up the road. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. That was great. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate taking the time. Yep, no Be good, problem. all right? I will. Thanks again. Have a good one. Thank you, too. He was good. Oh, yeah, it looked good. Um, I can toss together your overlays and then do another room to do the rest of your show if you want tonight. Did you um, uh, get any topics in that show sheet? or? I, I, I might want to just do that tomorrow at some point, okay. um, even if I have to do it by myself, um, if that's okay. Uh, yeah. I just hadn't had a chance to kind of outline everything because I've been trying to book this, trying to follow free agency. Know, it's it's been it's been one yeah, of those no big days, deal. you know? Um, so what I can do is uh, if you can send me whenever you get the topics together, just yeah. update that show sheet and drop it in the um, Lombardo show thread. I can get Perfect. it uh, get it done regardless of if I'm around that second or not. Cool. Okay. Awesome. And then um, would you be able to get me the transcript for this at some point? Just because I might want to get it out to the Bears writers and do a couple things yeah, on my own in. with it. Yep. Awesome. Can drop it in. Cool. All right. Perfect. Talk to you later. Thanks, Marina. Really appreciate the help. Talk to you soon. No problem. Have a good night. Bye. You too. See ya. Really enjoyed the conversation there with Jaquan Brisker, and I think this kid has a bright future in front of him, and, and not just because he played at Penn State. You look at what he did last year. He was equally dominant as a box safety up against the run, obviously led the Bears in sacks, as he was on the back end. A couple of interceptions, a real playmaker. He has so much upside. And I look at the Chicago Bears generally – And they're a team on the rise. And I get it that there were holes all up and down that roster last year. But I also understand that Chase Claypool didn't exactly work out acquiring him midseason. But they're going to be better this year. 
Justin Fields took significant steps forward down the stretch last season, both as a pocket passer, as a leader, as a runner. But I look at them right now, when you look at that offense, dropping a dynamic playmaker like DJ Moore into that supporting cast for Justin Fields, that's going to make him significantly better. It's going to create opportunities for Cole Komet underneath because DJ Moore is going to stretch the field. It's going to create opportunities for Darnell Mooney on the other side to really thrive because all of a sudden you can't necessarily shade a safety every time over to Darnell Mooney's side of the field. Chase Claypool is going to be better because you have two deep threats on either side. That's what Ryan Poles has already done to help Justin Fields. And he went out and got Nate Davis to solidify the offensive line. We had Joe Banner on the program months ago. And during the season, Joe Banner flat out said for the Bears to take that next step, if they are all in on Justin Fields and they believe that he can be a franchise quarterback, they need to fortify that offensive line. They're starting to do that. They made a big move and they have the draft capital now in rounds two and three to build that offensive line out even further. So I really like what the Chicago Bears are doing defensively. That was a pretty toothless defense the last couple of years. TJ Edwards was the best off-ball linebacker on the market. You look at what he did in Philadelphia alongside Kazir White. Dominant player, always around the football, 100-plus tackles. Guy who can call out the defense, wear the green dot on the helmet. And you pair him alongside Tremaine Edmonds, all of a sudden that front seven gets a lot better. And you only slid down to pick nine. And there's a good chance that three quarterbacks are going to go in the top ten. So you're going to get a blue chip defender. I don't know that you're going to get Will Anderson. He's probably gone in the top five. But with everything going on with Jalen Carter, if you think that you can survive what's going on with his legal issues, if you think that you can contain all of the off the field problems that have popped up in recent weeks, getting Jalen Carter a pick nine is, is pretty damn good value and the kind of playmaker that can elevate the Bears even higher. So I think the Bears still have holes. I think there's still work to do. But Ryan Poles entered this offseason. We talked about it on the podcast last week that the Bears were the team that controls the entire offseason with more cap space and more draft capital than anyone. They've turned that cap space into some pretty good players with plenty of money still to spend. They can jump in and get involved in the Austin Eckler sweepstakes if they so choose. A versatile pass-catching 1,000-yard running back who, if you trade a second-round pick for and you extend, now all of a sudden you got a real dynamic playmaker and you have a, a chorus of stars around your young quarterback. You can also go sign Miles Sanders and, and protect the draft picks. And Sanders doesn't have nearly the wear and tear that Eckler does, but similar players. There's opportunity here for the Chicago Bears, especially as this conversation first started with Aaron Rodgers no longer in the NFC North, no longer in the NFC. If you look over into the AFC side of things, a team that has kind of had a so-so start to this offseason, all right, let's just say, let's rip the bandit off. What are the Raiders doing? It makes no sense. Let's stop being politically correct when it comes to the Las Vegas Raiders. I like some of the things that they've done so far this offseason. I like the signing of Jimmy Garoppolo. I get it. I really like reuniting him with Josh McDaniels. There's familiarity there. There's continuity in coach, scheme, and quarterback. I think that's important, and I think that maybe a guy like Garoppolo, because he's had success in the New England Patriots system, because he knows Josh McDaniels, perhaps he can elevate some of the players around him. I really like the fact that he has a 40-17 and 17 record, has a bit of a track record for postseason success, went to a Super Bowl. 
And when you look at some of the moves, I had a scout tell me flat out that Jacoby Myers is a great fit for the Raiders because he's a slot guy who creates separation, which is what that scheme is predicated on. And the Raiders' offensive system isn't necessarily built around creating mismatches. They get Jacoby Myers, who is arguably one of the top two, if not the top receiver available in free agency. I like those two additions a lot. And overall, the offense might be a little bit better with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Jacoby Myers swapping Myers out for Mac Hollins. But dude, how do you sign Jimmy Garoppolo? How do you sign Jacoby Myers to an $11 million deal annually per year and then trade Darren Waller? What are you doing? I get it that you're going to designate him a, a, a trade and you get the number 100 overall pick and get a third round pick back to keep building. And that's fine. But why sign Jimmy Garoppolo if you're going to take away one of the more prolific pass catching tight ends in football? An offensive coordinator told me after the Giants pulled off that trade for Waller that he's, quote, a stud and one of the few tight ends in the game today that makes a legitimate impact in the passing game. That's what the Raiders traded away for a third-round pick in a division where you've got to get through Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Russell Wilson alongside Sean Payton. You're going to have to score points. But beyond that, in a vacuum, I like the Jimmy Garoppolo signing. In a vacuum, I like the Jacoby Myers addition. But if you looked at that defense, I'm not sure that I could name four defensive starters not named Chandler Jones. I'm not sure that they have four NFL caliber starting defensive players on that roster right now. Now listen, Marcus Epps is a really nice pickup. He's a good safety. He's an ascending player. But he's one player. I don't even know if Jimmy G, Jacoby Myers, and Marcus Epps, I don't know if even after adding those guys, if the Raiders are even the third best team in that division. Because I think the gap between the Raiders and the Chargers and the Chiefs is significant. And I don't think that you're going to see Russell Wilson struggle as epically as he did a year ago with Sean Payton coming to town. There's no way the Broncos can be that bad again, right? But the Raiders blew seven one-point leads, one-score leads. On one hand, you could say you're close. If you take away Darren Waller, you don't fortify the defense. Now they could always add some things in the draft on the defensive side of the football. But I've said this on this podcast. I said it on Raiders radio during Super Bowl week, that if you're the Raiders, the priority of this offseason is sitting down with Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator, and telling me, who do you need? Who do you need me to go and get? And then significantly upgrading the talent level on that defense with players who fit his scheme. Marcus Epps is one guy. We'll see if they do anything more. We'll see if they can close the gap. Staying in the Bay Area, the San Francisco 49ers are making moves. The San Francisco 49ers, in my opinion, they check all the boxes to remain the team to beat in the NFC West. And they've really, in my opinion, extended the gap between themselves, the Rams, and the Seahawks, and certainly the Arizona Cardinals, who even though they're committed $100 million to Kyler Murray. They might have to go into a little bit of a rebuild mode. But I look at what the 49ers have done. John Lynch stood at the podium in Indianapolis at the Combine and said that they're going to go shopping at the veteran quarterback market for some insurance on Trey Lance and Brock Purdy. 
And they went and got that insurance in the form of Sam Darnold on a, a low-risk contract. I like it. He's a quality backup, quality third-string quarterback, and in a pinch in a disaster scenario like played out a year ago where you lose both Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. If you lose Lance and Purdy or you trade Trey Lance, Darnold has played. There's experience there. And if any system is quarterback autopilot, if there's any system where you think that Sam Darnold can fit and thrive, it's got to be Kyle Shanahan's, right? When he can hand it off or throw it to Christian McCaffrey, hand it off or throw it to Debo Samuel, and oh yeah, George Kittle plays tight end. But that's not the move that won the 49ers the offseason title in that division. It's going out and signing Javon Hargrave. Because you look at that defensive line now, planting him right alongside Nick Bosa. Javon Hargrave is a hell of a football player. He's a stud. Hargrave had 57 pressures last season in addition to 11 sacks. Now we can say that he's 30, 31 years old. Can he do it again? Can he keep doing it? But there's a bit of a difference here. Javon Hargrave isn't going to draw the double teams that he drew in Philadelphia, playing alongside Nick Bosa. Pro Football Focus gave Hargrave a 90.8 pass rush grade. And you're dropping him into that defensive line? Look out. Good luck, Kyler Murray. Good luck, Matthew Stafford, or whoever's the quarterback of the Rams. Good luck, Geno Smith. Because that front seven in San Francisco is one of the best front sevens in football, and they're going to be the driving force behind the 49ers extending this Super Bowl window of theirs. And one team that I think you have to kind of figure out what they're going to do from here is the Dallas Cowboys. I reported back on February 18th that the Cowboys were going to give Ezekiel Elliott an ultimatum that it was going to be take a significant pay cut or you're going to get cut. On Wednesday, March 15th, he got cut. And you think about what the Cowboys lost out on, not only by having to pay Ezekiel Elliott one more year last year in 2022 when it was abundantly clear even going into this past season that Tony Pollard was the better all-around running back, certainly the more explosive running back. But what they lost out on was – they chose to pay Ezekiel Elliott over Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is a Cleveland Brown because the Cowboys couldn't afford him. They couldn't afford him in large part because of what they were paying Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott didn't just hamper the Dallas Cowboys' ability to play for championships. He's the ultimate cautionary tale against paying running backs top dollar on their second and third contracts. And when I look at Ezekiel Elliott, sure, he's productive. There's a lot of mileage on that odometer, man. He's had a lot of carries in his career. He's taken a beating at that position. And if I'm a running back needy team, I'm taking Austin Eckler over Ezekiel Elliott. I'm taking Miles Sanders over Ezekiel Elliott. And if you're Ezekiel Elliott, this has to be a little bit of a humbling experience to figure out you go from being one of the highest paid players, one of the most prolific players at the position, a centerpiece of what the Cowboys have done, to a guy who's now on the street. But this was all predictable. This was all coming. We reported it back on February 18th that that was the direction this was going in. And that's where it wound up. 
lot of fun on the show. A lot of big news happening across the NFL. To follow it all, you can follow me on Twitter, at Matt Lombardo NFL. You can read my column each and every week on heavy.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, SoundCloud. Throw us a like on YouTube. But more importantly, check us out on heavy.com slash videos. appreciate you tuning in to the Matt Lombardo Show presented by Heavy Sports. I'm Matt Lombardo. I'll talk to you next week.